after we test them, we figure out that there are certain patterns that create above average click-through rates or above average conversion rates. Then we start tweaking the recipes until we get something that works. And then once it works, we just pour budget into it because we're so confident that it'll move. And then uh, we, we just scale from there. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Today we have my friend Edwin Choi, who's the VP of Marketing at Mobovita, which is a progressive, vertically integrated online retailer of mobile accessories. And I'm going to let him explain what the heck that means exactly. But Edwin, how's it going? Hey, it's going awesome, Eric. How's it going for you? Good. Thanks for being here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah. Well, I am with Movita, and we are an online retailer, but we're also a, an online brand. And what we found out while we were growing the last four to five years is that, hey, if we can sell other people's stuff very well, why not try to sell our own brand as well and utilize the, the online retail presence that we've been building for the last 14 years? We have a lot of data on our customers, and we have a wealth of knowledge about what makes them tick. And that allows us to develop products that really speak to our core audiences. And we feel like we can circumvent a lot of the costly product development life cycles that are in play in the market right now. And we can utilize our direct response channels to test it really rapidly. My role here as a VP of marketing, I oversee the digital marketing team, who I believe is one of the best teams in the country. And also oversee the purchasing, business intelligence and merchandising teams as well. So what we do on a daily basis, we, we simply look for growth. That's the number one goal for the entire company and for all the teams. Fantastic. So can you talk a little bit about maybe your, your top two or three sellers so people kind of have an idea of what you guys sell? Yeah. One of the top sellers we have is what we call a mobile Vita wallet case. It's a leather folio case. It has two slots inside for cash or credit cards. So you, you don't have to carry a wallet or purse when you go out. Uh, it's made with high quality leather and it comes in colors that we've actually tested against our audiences on Facebook. And once they took off, then we put those in our mass production and we can't even keep these things in stock. The second thing that has done really well for us is our Movita chargers. We just ran out of stock on those, but they're rubberized chargers. They, they charge very quickly, 3.1 milliamps, and they have two ports. So for the ultimate convenience when you go traveling. Okay. And can you talk about some of the success metrics you guys have had in the last couple of years? We can talk about growth rates, revenues, whatever you can share. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we started off 2016 with a bang. So we are on track for 62% year-over-year growth rate right now. In terms of growth, we always look at top-line revenue and net profit. So those both have grown at a clip of 50% plus year-over-year. And the reason why we've been able to do this is that we are making heavy investments in a two of our fastest growing channels, which is Facebook advertising and email marketing. 
Okay. Now, can you give us a range of where revenues sit, you know, annual revenues sit? Is it, I guess, over or less than 10 million a year? Uh, it's over 10 million a year. Got it. Fantastic. Because a lot of people are probably thinking right now, well, you know, this is e-commerce and you guys are in a very competitive space. And I guess this leads to my next question that might be kind of leading into it. But it sounds like the reason you guys are so successful in such a competitive space is because you guys have such a defined testing process where you guys can iterate quickly and you guys have all the data and you, you actually take action on it. Is that kind of correct? Absolutely. We like to move at speed of light. We're extremely data oriented. I mean, we almost like to say internally, we have a religious devotion to data. There's no one's right, no one's wrong. We just look at the numbers and everyone's empowered to act on data almost in real time. So we, we want to take away all the barriers to achieving growth. Okay. Now, one thing I want to talk about, you know, I have met you know, members from your team and they're, they're very talented, but you do have, you know, the way I look at how you, you bring about hiring these great people and training them, you kind of train them from the ground up. So can you talk about your, your hiring process from top to bottom? Yeah. The hiring process, I believe, is one of the most important things you can do in general as a company, right? The right hires can be a massive asset to the organization. And inversely, the wrong hires can be a huge liability. Uh, what we do is we, we always look for a blend of intrinsics and personal skill, right? So when I say that, I mean that we, we don't necessarily look for the people who are the most skilled or most experienced, but we're looking for a certain personality that would mesh well with the team that we have here. And some of the intrinsics that we look for is, A, we look for people who work extremely hard, right? These people don't know the, the definition of nine to five. They're people who are fanatically driven to hit their numbers, right? And then B, uh, we look for people who are intrinsically motivated to improve on themselves, right? So this doesn't have to be necessarily career or work-related, but we're looking for individuals that wake up every day and ask themselves, you know what, what can I do to make myself better today, whether it be in your personal workout plan or your personal financial goals. Uh, we're looking for that drive of self-improvement. And number three, the most important thing is coachability, right? How are individuals able to take constructive criticism and feedback and how quickly can they apply it to their day-to-day -day so they can improve themselves and in that process improve the team? How do you test for coachability during an interview? That's a really good question. Uh, we we ask situational questions about what they've done before in the past for certain situations. And based on their responses and their body language and their tonality, you can get a good idea if someone bristles when they get constructive feedback or if they readily accept it. And if that's something that, hey, you know, they're always looking for constructive feedback and, and they're looking for chances to improve themselves. Can you give me an example of one of those situational questions you'd ask in regards to in relation to coaching? Yeah, I would ask them. What is the biggest mistake that you've made in your career so far? And how have you reacted to it? And a lot of times, individuals who make these mistakes, what I'm looking for is, number one, they admit to it right away, right? And they talk to whoever's responsible or whoever's in the chain of command, uh, and they own up to it. That's a good trait that we're looking for. And number two, if they can proactively also figure out the steps that they need to prevent that mistake from happening again, and number three, if they can handle the conversation that happens afterward, I'm looking for a conversation that is just honesty, has a lot of honesty, and it has a lot of plans for improvement in the future. And if they can apply that in their day-to-day -day and they made some sort of change, then I feel like they're a good candidate to be coached. Great. And people often have time, you know, you and I kind of spoke about this, you know, we speak about this offline, but it's really hard to find great marketing hires, especially junior people too. So where are you looking to kind of source the talent? 
Well, one method that we use is that we, we reach out to local schools. We have relationships with the schools around our area with career advisors, and we give them a good idea of what we're looking for in terms of interns. Now, they are, always have a large roster of fresh, talented interns, and if they have a clear idea of what we're looking for, and if we pay it for too by hiring the interns within three to six months, then it's a really good working relationship with those schools. So that's one of the main ways that we we hire talent. And number two is honestly re- referrals, right? If if someone refers their friend or someone they know to your company, that's a huge thumbs up endorsement for the company. And they typically know who would make it and who would not make it here. So referrals is a great way to to get new talent into the organization. Totally agree with that. You know, referrals by far the, the number one one way of getting these people in. So, and I never actually thought of you know using university internship system. I mean, I've, I use like those different job boards with colleges and all that. But I guess my question would be, are these schools? It appears that they're doing a good job of actually tracking whether their students get jobs or not. Is that kind of how it works? They may not actually do a good job of that. It's kind of up to you to give them an update, right? So if the career counselor emails you a resume, you wind up hiring that person. If we do hire that person, I would proactively email her back and say, hey, uh, so-and-so did really well at the company. She's contributing X, Y, and Z. We actually decided to bring her on on board full-time. And a career counselor could feel really good about that. That's a personal success story for them. And they've been able to help this individual. So that creates a good reciprocal relationship. And therefore, you might actually get talent faster than any of the other companies that they work with. Great takeaway. Build a relationship with people. You know, it's, it's all a people business at the end of the day. Okay, so let's talk about customer acquisition for a little bit. So you talked about Facebook ads working for you guys. You know, what what are you guys doing exactly to, to make it work for you? Well, Facebook has a wealth of data on everyone that uses Facebook. They know literally everything about you, right? So we've been able to take what we call recipes. So we take different ingredients, and these ingredients could be ad copy, could be product targeting. And it could be different demographic attributes as well. And we rapidly test these throughout our channel. After we test them, we figure out that there are certain patterns that create above average click-through rates or above average conversion rates. Then we start tweaking the recipes until we get something that works. And then once it works, we just pour budget into it because we're so confident that it'll move. And then uh, we, we just scale from there. Okay. Now... What are you guys doing exactly on Facebook? Are you driving them to a product page where they can just purchase exactly, or what does that look like? Good question. Right now, typically a vast majority of our Facebook results come from carousel ads. So we drive them directly to the product. And the beautiful thing about this is that if we have a certain demographic profile that we are targeting on Facebook, all four to five of those products that we're targeting to that demographic, we know have a certain appeal, right? So for males, uh, we know that brown, black, and blue tend to be the top-selling colors for males, so they would see only those colors, whereas females might see a baby pink, a baby blue, and a purple. And that level of targeting is really unprecedented, and the scale at which Facebook will allow you to do that sort of testing is unprecedented. So once we figure out what attracts a certain customer, then we'll continually reiterate on that testing to drive further results. Okay. Now, let's go back to your team for a little bit. I mean, what does the organization of the Movavita team, the marketing team look like? How's that built right now? Uh, the way it's built right now is that each individual has a portfolio of channels that they manage. So they have multiple chances to hit their numbers. Uh, it might be AdWords and another channel like Gmail ads, or it might be Bing ads and another channel like YouTube Shoppable. 
So each of them have one to two core competencies. But we also encourage cross-team work as well. So a lot of times we will cross-train people in certain channels or they'll hop around. So then when we have discussions about email marketing, for example, since multiple people on a team have done email marketing before, they can contribute to the discussion productively. They could add different angles or different test ideas. And in each individual on a team, uh, we're in the process of enabling them to be analytics experts as well in Google Analytics and Omniture. So when they feel like there's something in the data that's an opportunity, they can dig into it, pull it out, and act on it right away versus having to wait for an analytics expert to pull up a report and spoon feed them insights. Awesome. I love it. Okay, so what else is working for you guys right now in terms of user acquisition? In terms of user acquisition, we have always been a very strong paid search shop. Even though paid search, as you probably know, in the AdWords world, Google's making a lot of changes that are shaking up the entire industry, but we've been able to adjust and survive and thrive. AdWords and Bing continue to be the largest drivers of new user acquisition. And once we acquire a user, email is one of the biggest contributors to our rising lifetime value right now. And there's such a wealth of data available in email, and we're tracking pretty much everything about the customer from on-site behavior, purchasing behavior. And then now we're starting to get into predictive behavior. That's a good one-two punch for us. Awesome. Now, I've always wondered, you know, because I don't, I don't do a lot of e-commerce stuff, so I'm not too familiar with it. I mean, how does that email marketing funnel typically look? I mean, you know, what kind of goes into the sequence? Yeah. So if you arrive on the site, you're going to get an email acquisition pop-up. And that pop-up is going to entice you to enter your email. Once you enter the email, you're going to get identified within our system. And there's also uh, some cross-device tracking that we built into the site as well. So once we know who you are as an individual, we'll start sending you offers. And also the offers will be tailored on your on-site browsing experience. So if you browse a Galaxy S6 model page, we know you probably have a Galaxy S6. And then in real time, all of your emails moving forward will only have Galaxy S6 products. And we're starting to build functionality where if someone is a loyal iPhone user, we can start to predict when you're going to upgrade to the next iPhone. And then we might send you an iPhone 7 email right before your, your contract expires and you'll get discounts on a brand new accessory pack for your iPhone 7. We also have upsell and cross-sell funnels in our email cycles, as well as referral programs. So we try to squeeze every penny possible out of our email list. Okay. And when you talk about you know, the complexities of what you guys are doing with email right now, I mean, what are, the, what are the critical tools involved here? Are these custom built or are you guys using some platforms? We are using Oracle Responses as our main ESP. So that's our platform. But we had to build a lot of custom tools to enhance our email experience. One of the custom tools that, that we built in-house is that if you visit our mobile site on an Android device, we detect your Android device, we house it in a cookie. So then you don't have to really go anywhere on our mobile site for us to identify your device. But having that device type in our database, we'll send that over to Oracle Responses And that personalization led to double-digit lift in conversion rates. So uh, we have a lot of little tools that are built into the site that's connected to our business intelligence server that allows us to get better and smarter with our email sends. Now, these tools, I mean, are you are you kind of, you know, are you kind of setting the the tone for these? Are you saying, you know, we need this type of functionality and you're kind of telling the the engineers to build it? Yeah, absolutely. It is a marketing-driven organization. So a lot of the development work that 
is ongoing on a day-to-day basis is, is marketing driven. Okay. You know, one thing that really, really pissed me off when I, when I ran marketing on a startup before was that, you know, the, the devs were separate from the marketing team. So do you have engineers specifically focused on marketing? I guess, how's that structured? We do have a business intelligence managers and personnel on the marketing team that are also very, very well versed in coding. So we, we really want to reduce the latency uh, for any sort of these improvements because we, we want to get to the improvements as fast as possible because that allows us to play with the data and actually start testing. So we have eliminated that latency by integrating sort of a hybrid business intelligence slash coder within our team. Great. I mean, you, you guys have been growing constantly. You know, you're talking double digit growth, you know, year over year over time and sometimes triple digit. But I mean, what's one big struggle you faced while growing, you know, this company? Yeah, a, a big struggle we face is that it can be very, very difficult to maintain net margin, net profitability when a vast majority of our marketing channels are, have some sort of cost to it. And in, hind- in hindsight, it's 2020, but in hindsight, I, I would have invested much more heavily in content and organic marketing in the last couple of years to try to help stem that. But better late than never, we, we started heavily investing that this in that this year. So that's a huge challenge is that as marketing costs continue to rise, you're, you're always going to have to continue to hunt for new marketing channels that have a low cost per acquisition. So in this case, I, I feel like display marketing, and I think Google feels that way too, such as the Gmail ads, customer matching within the Google Display Network, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest are, are all the new frontiers, and they all represent some sort of goldmine at this sort of time. Right. Cool. And yeah, I mean, are you guys doing anything with, with Pinterest right now? We currently aren't. We are heavily focused on Gmail ads in the Google Display Network right now, but Pinterest is next on the list. Wonderful. Okay, so let's switch gears really quick. You know, I want to talk about yourself. I mean, what's one piece of advice you'd tell your, let's say, 20-year-old self? I would definitely tell my 20-year-old self that I would like to instill a sense of urgency in my 20-year-old self. The sense of urgency means that you you look at every day as a potential uh, with the potential to improve yourself, right? So in terms of productivity, I would say, hey, it, five years pass by really quickly. Make sure that you use those five years as effectively as you can. And that's what I would tell my 20-year-old self. So no screwing around, huh? No screwing around. <laughs> okay. You know, Edwin, because we know each other, you know, in real life, I mean, I always wonder from, from the, the smart people that I know personally, I, I mean, you know, what's your, what's your learning process? How do you go about learning new things in general? Well, in terms of learning new things, what I would do is I, I would often read. I'm a big reader. So I, I would read about the topic and take copious amounts of notes. And, and I really want to be fully immersed in, in what I'm reading. And after I finish reading whatever material I, I was looking at, I have to put in action. Right. Because if you don't put in action, it just flies out of your head and, and it never comes back. So I'll, I'll turn what my notes into action points. I'll start acting on it and then I'll, I'll get data and feedback. And as I'm doing this, if, if I ever feel like I'm sort of hitting a wall. So let's say I'm doing a particular thing. I gotten pretty good at it, but I'm, I'm not the best. Then I would reach out for people to people who are much better than me at that particular topic or particular skill and try to learn from them and hopefully get a good relationship going where we're kind of tossing back test results back and forth. That's been effective for me so far. And what would you say are some of the go-to spots you go to in terms of you know, blogs, magazines, things like that? One go-to spot in terms of a, a blog's conversion Excel's blog. They do a really good job of helping spark new testing ideas. I, I think some of what they're doing right now and the quality of their articles are top-notch. 
And oftentimes when I read a conversion Excel article, I, I come back with something to try. Yeah, they have great stuff. And you know, I, I noticed their blog, they have this little thing, uh, these little push notifications. More and more people are doing these from a company called Push Crew. Have you guys looked into that? We haven't looked into that yet, but that's something that's on the radar, especially with you know us being a mobile accessory company. We're looking into more mobile-centric type of notifications and, and advertisements. So that's something that is in the plans for 2016. Interesting. Yes, it's just for the audience. I mean, I just started seeing this a couple months ago and I just, you know, saw like two or three sites, two, two or three of my favorite blogs with it yesterday. I'm just like, I'm probably going to test it out today. But basically what it does is it'll send you notifications for, you know, it could be like a new event or it could be like when a new blog post goes live, but it's going to show up. And then just think of it as push notifications from your phone. You know, most of them are going to get opened all the time. So, um, you know, to me, it seemed a little intrusive, but uh, you got to test it, right? Yep. Yeah, test it. Cool. We have no idea what customers want. Yep. Yep. So for an ideal day, I mean, how would you structure a day? You know, what time do you wake up? What does your morning routine look like? All that type of stuff. Yeah, I, I typically wake up at around between 7, 7.30 a.m. I like those early morning hours because you get to have a little peace. Uh, that's when I do a lot of reading. I, I, I'm starting to do some writing. That's when I kind of check up on email and catch up on things that happen overnight. And I, I typically roll into the office around 10 a.m. And I, and I do my daily checks. I just make sure that nothing's on fire. And then as I go through the day, I start to go through meetings and make sure teams are communicating well with each other. I set action items. And I typically go home around 7, between 7 and 7.30. And, and I do have a second wind between 9 and 12 that I like to do some productive work as well. I might be reading and taking notes or I might be watching videos or, or doing online courses. Uh, and that's that's what I would describe as a perfect day. And if, if it is a truly perfect day, I'll, I'll add in a weightlifting session here and there. <laughs> My God, it sounds like a full day of learning. Yeah. Cool. All right. What's one productivity hack you can share with the audience? So, if, you know, for me, an example would be, uh, you know, when I wake up in the morning, uh, I turn on all the lights, so I have to get up. <laughs> that's a good one. For me, I disable pretty much all notifications on my laptop. So, for instant messaging and email, all of the notifications are turned off. Uh, I do have kind of an ADD-like personality. So that forced me to only check my notifications or emails a couple times a day. And that allows me to be fully engrossed in what I'm doing so I could get through our, my task list much more quickly. Awesome. And what's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? My current favorite, I just read it, so it's top of mind, is Dotcom Secrets. It really showed me the value of the entire customer funnel. I used to have what I believe is a very narrow view of the customer funnel. Uh, but after I read that book, I, I felt like there's a lot more I can do a pre-acquisition and there's a lot more I can do post-acquisition. So I've taken a lot of notes on that that we're uh, just going to start to put into play. Awesome. Yeah. And just for the audience to know, I mean, .com secrets, it's about marketing funnels. It's from Russell Brunson. And it's an incredible book. I've read it as well. And the thing is, you know, most most tech people that are listening to this are probably thinking, you know, marketing funnels, it's they're too aggressive. It seems scammy. Maybe it's only for info marketers only. But really, I mean, when you look at these concepts, you really only need to pull the foundational pieces and use it for your your, your own business, whatever way you guys communicate with your customers or whatever. But, you know, it's been proven that these funnels actually work and they convert. So, you know, why not test it at the end of the day? I, I know a lot of people in the tech world are really adverse to, to this stuff. But um, yeah, totally, totally recommend that book as well. Edwin, I mean, this has been incredible. What's the best way for people to, to find you online? They can find me online at edwinchoy.com or they can find me on Twitter at Mr. Mr. Edwin Choi. All right, Edwin, thanks for doing this. All right, it's been a blast. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.